0: So we have been working through uh, a series called Hungry for God. And uh, this is week four. We've been looking at, uh, throughout the scripture, about what does it mean, this this metaphor of food and being hungering after God. And tonight it's a little different because we're looking at the diet of tears in Psalm 42. But then we'll see that God in his providence helps us to put these things together at the right time when we need it. Have you ever been or ever experienced what we call the dark night of the soul? John of the Cross in Spain in 1542 spent time in prison for his faith. And while John was in prison in Toledo, Spain, he penned the term dark night of the soul in a poem. It's a time in spirituality that describes this spiritual crisis in the journey towards this union, this desire for God. And he said, this is what he quoted, In the dark night of the soul, bright flows the rivers of God. We can see that as we just heard that psalm. 42 That was read to us this concept, this idea of what does it mean to go through this time of wondering where God is. But one of the beautiful things that we will see in this is that these difficult times can be the very place where God can do his greatest transformation in us. As I was preparing this message this week, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about as we come into spring, a seed is planted. In the dark soil seems very dark, but later it will bring forth a great harvest. So here's our question: We've been asking uh, through this Lenten series, is are you hungering for God? We see in Psalm 42 he definitely was. He says that he is thirsting for God, and so this morning we see that there's this holy love. Thirsting for God. The psalmist thirsts for God like a deer pants for the water. So there is this concept as as if a deer had been running through the woods and is longing for that drink of water. The psalmist says in verse 1 and 2, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Here, he is not thirsting mainly for relief from his threatening circumstances. He's not thirsting mainly to escape from his enemies. He is hungering and thirsting for God himself. I love this quote. Someone said that passion is birthed in our awareness of need. Passion is birthed in our awareness of need. Maybe one of the good things that God can bring through all that we're going through is this new, fresh passion and awareness of God as we come to him with our needs. Maybe the greatest gift we could receive in this time is a sense of his presence. So I ask that question again. Are you hungry for God? I love the promise of Jesus when he said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And so we see the psalmist here has this holy thirsting for God, but he also has this holy love that's mourning. C.S. Lewis introduced the phrase, Pain is the megaphone of God. God whispers to us, he says, in our pleasures. Speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts in our pains. He said it is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. See, this eternal emotional condition that the psalmist is speaking about of depression that we see in verses 5 and 11 describes himself as cast down, that he's in great turmoil. In verse 3, he says, my tears have been my food day and night. That is our main verse uh, that we're looking at today, that that we're talking about our tears as food. He is so discouraged to the point where he's crying day and night. Many of you know that we have ministered in, in years past in Italy, and so our heart has been very, very close to the news and watching what's been going on in Italy. And uh, our hearts were broken this week as we saw the president of, the president of Italy uh, with tears in his eyes, not knowing what to do. I'm sure for him, he would understand what the psalmist was saying here. My tears have been my food day and night. Have you ever been there? I know I have. Philip Yancey in his book said, when, this book that he has, Where is God When It Hurts, said... This is what happens sometimes for us as people of faith. We can make this mistake. We can fall into two dangers. And we've seen it all around in all the different programs and news and writings and blogs. We can attribute all the suffering to God. So God is the creator of it all. It's all his fault. Or on the other hand, which I have seen recently and found quite shocking, is we can think that our faith in God is the best insurance policy, that pain and suffering will never come knocking at our door. We know that isn't true. The psalmist knows it isn't true. This is a psalm of David. It is believed to be at the time when he is fleeing and hiding, when his own son Absalom Uh, overthrew him as king, and he had to run for his life. But you know, one of the things that I appreciate about these psalms, these psalms of lament, we looked at Psalm 22 on Wednesday night, we're looking at Psalm 42 uh, this morning, is this legitimate question where we can say, God, why? And it's okay to tell God that we don't understand that we are mourning, that we are in pain, and we don't have the answer. But praise God, the psalmist doesn't end there. We see there is this holy love thirsting for more of God. There is this holy love mourning, but there is also this holy love that is hoping. Many years ago, we heard a sociologist who shared that in Canada the church is on decline, it is struggling. He said, you know, most Canadians feel very happy with their lives just the way they are. But he said the one thing when they did all their questions and asking of Canadians, the one thing that they did not have that those of faith had was hope. Here we see holy love hoping despite the mourning. See, here the psalmist is fighting for hope. Verse 5, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? He says, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Amen. Notice he's not surrendering, cowering to his emotions, his feelings of discouragement. He is fighting back. How is he fighting back? Well, we can see a few points in this psalm. The first thing he does is he remembers past experiences. This might be very good for us right now as we are not the church gathered, but we are still the church scattered, as we've been saying in recent months. That verse 4, he says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Now hear me right. He is not dealing with nostalgia here. He is not saying, oh, I remember those good old days. He is pronouncing his faith in the midst of the turmoil and discouragement he is remembering how real his god has been in the past to him how in times of corporate worship with the body of christ he remembered those moments when god broke in when god spoke when god changed when god answered prayer and so we can see that as he's fighting for hope in the midst of discouragement he remembers his wonderful past experiences. With God. I, I want to encourage you that that is one of the things we need to do in these days when we can't gather publicly together. We need to remember those moments, how God moved powerfully in our lives and in our church. So he remembers his past experiences. Another thing he does is he affirms God's sovereign love for him. Verse 8, day by day the Lord commands a steadfast love and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. You know, often we can feel forgotten. We can feel forsaken. It doesn't necessarily mean it's based in truth. See, we can feel forgotten and forsaken. It's feelings, but we know better the truth that God loves us and has not left us nor forsaken us. You know, there's a story of a pastor and his wife who took separate cars home from church. We have had to do that at times. And it's quite ordinary that at home, when they got there, they realized they had left their seven-year-old daughter alone at the church. The pastor hurriedly uh, went back to the church to get her, and he found her there waiting with tears down her eyes. And with the utmost reproach in her voice, she said, Daddy, you forgot me. What a horrible feeling. We know it is to be forgotten. That is the feeling expressed here, right here by the psalmist. That feeling of what has happened. God has forsaken me. God has forgotten me. But even though those feelings are real and and David is sharing them in the psalm, he pushes through the feelings and he looks at God and knows the truth about God. And he never stopped believing in the absolute sovereignty of God and his love over all of his problems over his life. Now here's the question. Do Do we realize that God has not forgotten us? that God is still sovereign, that God is still in control, and that he loves us. Now here's another strange thing that he does, as we see in verse, also verse 8, at night his song is with me. In the midst of his depression, in his midst of fighting for hope, he sings. One of the wonderful gifts that God has given us is the power of praise and the beauty of music. Now hear me right, I don't think when I was, if I was listening in on this song, I don't think it's a song of joy. I think it's a song in the night. A song to the God of my life. In this psalm, it also talks about as deep calls to deep. I, I think it's a song that is deep, deep in the marrow of his bones, deep, deep in his soul, that where God begins to minister to him, like nothing else can and so god has given us this wonderful gift of music of song isn't it powerful for us as people of faith that that we can continue to sing i'll never forget after the uh, the earthquake in haiti and we were watching cnn and it was sunday morning and their families were gone and their church was gone and even their pastor was gone But the Haitians were in the middle of the streets worshiping and praising God and still had a song to sing. I'll never forget that picture. The truth is for us that God wants us to continue to sing that song. A song much like these words, you would know them. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate And hath shed his own blood for my soul. And so we can see that he remembers, uh, he affirms, he sings, and he even preaches to his own soul. I don't know if you've ever done that, uh, preach to your own soul. There is this aspect in this where he's looking into himself I get that picture of him looking in and saying, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Taking our thoughts captive, not listening to the lies. Maybe for some of us it means turning off the news and the social media for a bit. And listen to our souls and speak to our souls and speak the truth of God. Much like we know in this passage, if God is for you, who can be against you? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for you, how will he not also with him graciously give you all things? Who shall bring any charge against you as God's elect? It is God who justifies Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for you? Who shall separate you from the love of Christ? No one. That's a paraphrase of Romans 8. And so in closing, Horatio Spatford wrote that well-known hymn we sing often after a terrible traumatic events in his life. His four-year-old son perished in the Chicago fire. His business was destroyed there. And in 1873, he sent his wife and daughters ahead of him to Europe. But during the crossing of the Atlantic Ocean, the ship sank and all four daughters perished. His wife survived. And sent him the telegram, Saved Alone. As he traveled to meet his grieving wife and passed the very spot that his daughters drowned, he penned these famous words When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. And we know the refrain, it is well, it is well with my soul, with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. You see, the truth is hope is like an anchor. We drop down in the storms of life. So have you been in that place? Are you in that place right now where tears have been your food both day and night? While people say to you continually, where is your God? Well, I give God the praise this morning. That as the psalmist would tell us, that God is right here with us. I would say to us this morning that Jesus is right here with us. Before the grave of a friend, we are told in John 11 that Jesus wept. In the garden, on his knees, crying out in agony, we see in Mark 14 that Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Did you hear that? Our Lord says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And he said to them, stay here and keep watch. We have one who knows what we're going through. We have one who is with us in our suffering and pain we have one who weeps with us i i I love this uh passage the weeping has endured for a night a long night yet joy will come in the morning a memory came to me a time when god was so uh, real in the midst of mourning it was a time when we got the phone call, the dreaded phone call that none of us appreciate hearing when my father-in-law passed away. We still don't know how we drove that 45 minutes uh, to be with the family. It was a sudden passing. It was, we were in shock. But we had a van, and as we were driving in that van in those two front bucket seats, we both commented on how the presence of God came into that van with us. And we were aware that God was real, that we were aware that God was with us, and that God was going to see us also through that dark night of the soul. I praise God and look forward to the day when Revelation 21 tells us that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Amen and amen. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you. We thank you that you love us, that you are in control, that you are sovereign. That nothing that we would go through or have been through or will go through in the days ahead can ever separate us from you. We thank you today for those that are listening that are people of faith that have given their hearts and lives to Christ and he is their Lord, their coming King and their Savior. And so, Lord, they have memories that they can look back and remember when God has been so real and God has broken and God has answered prayer. But today I also pray for those that would say, you know what, I just have such little faith. I want to believe. I thank you, Lord, that you told us that we only need faith as small as a mustard seed. Lord, I pray for people today that in faith, even not fully understanding, much like the psalmist did, they would reach out to you, O oh God, and they would find that you are reaching back. Help us to know that when we're going through difficult times, we lift, we lift people, even this morning, that might would say, you know, tears have been my food lately. I'm worried about my family. I'm feeling very lonely. I'm even feeling somewhat forsaken. That God, you would come in and they would know and sense your presence as we did that morning in the front of that van, driving in the place of shock of losing a loved one. Lord, we thank you Holy Spirit, today we thank you that even as we do this videotaping and we're here in this sanctuary, that you can take this service and take this word and you can move right now into people's hearts and lives and minister to them like nothing else and no one else can. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you wept, that we have a God that is not far off and distant and uncaring. Shaking an angry fist with us. We have one who stands at an empty uh, tomb and pronounces that he has come over death. But just a few moments before that, he stood at a friend's death with two sisters and wept. And Lord, help us to see that as you wept in that garden that night in great sorrow and agony... Only the first fruits of what you would go through and the crucifixion and all that you would suffer for us with the lashings. That it is our pain, our suffering, our God forsakenness that you took on in your own flesh for us. That we can now be united with God through Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you today.